Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. Welcome to the Service Legend Podcast, a show for home service business owners who are looking to dominate their market and see more profit, more freedom, and more impact from their service business. Hey, I'm your host, Ryan Davis, CEO and founder at Service Legend and Cardinal Concrete Coating, alongside my co-host, Marco Sipla, CMO here at Service Legend. In each episode, we'll be interviewing home service legends, industry experts, coaches, consultants, software companies, and a whole lot more. Hey, see you guys on the pod. Happy Friday, and welcome back to another episode of the Service Legend Podcast. I have a real treat for you guys today. Uh, he is a warrior. He is a body percent uh, percentage as low as 5%. Uh, Brad, welcome to the podcast, man. Hey, man. Good to see you. How you doing, Ryan? Good, man. Good to see you. Um, I knew we were chatting before we got live here, and you were working out. You're not going to take a day off. Uh, love that about you. And uh, hopefully we can dive into that today on mm -hmm. uh, not only who Brad is from a business perspective and what you've done and the success you've had in the painting industry, but also um, the kind of like the mental uh, fortitude, if you will, of just, just dominating all areas of life. I want to dive into that a little bit, if, if you're cool with that. Dude, I love it. You're setting the bar high, you know, telling people that I dominate every area of my life, which is not true. I uh, <laughs> wish it were true. Um, before we start, though, um, inquiring minds want to know why in your promo for this episode, you made yourself so much larger than me <laughs> and and you covered up my arms to make me look even smaller. So me, what's up, bro? You image. feeling insecure? Let me see this image here. <laughs> I'm going to get with my team right now. Uh, Samara Marco, uh, if you guys are listening. <laughs> no. Um, oh, I love it. Thing. Oh, you're okay. The... Oh, my gosh. You have no arms. Yeah. Look how teeny I am. I mean, I you am teeny, what? but you're not that because much Because my body percentage is so high relative <laughs> to you, I had to be in front. So, no. Yeah, dude. Um, hey, for those of you that don't know Brad, um, I mean, obviously, he's just really came onto the scene um, in his own business, dominating um, the, uh, the painting industry. But- he is from Metro Detroit, a city called Royal Oak. Uh, and after he after he met his wife, uh, they started their first company, which was a health insurance company. Uh, and they were just looking for an opportunity to get into a seasonal type business. Uh, and he met a guy that owned a painting company. He worked there. He crushed it there uh, and went off and started his own company, which was almost a year ago now, uh, which we're coming up on spring of this year uh, soon, which is crazy. Uh, he's currently the owner of Allison Painting and handles all of the marketing strategies, the subcontractor recruitments, and the sales, uh, and a bunch of other things, I'm, I'm sure. Um, Allison Painting is different because of their, um, of their culture. They operate with 100% integrity, professionalism, and levity. Uh, and they operate like a big company, but use the family side of everything in the marketing to convey that they're still family-focused uh, as a business, which I love that. Um, beautiful wife, beautiful kids, beautiful family. And uh, obviously you're looking pretty fit uh, as of late. So um, we can dive Listen, into that. Again. I'm like the goblin little. in my family. I got to work out. So at least I can <laughs> fit in a little bit. <laughs> um, man, I love it, man. You know, I, I, I had the opportunity to come out and see you when I was speaking in Detroit mm -hmm. and uh, you had the utmost um, hospi um, hospitality, which was amazing. Appreciate that. Um, and I know you've run a successful company. You're a client of Service Legend. Um, you're involved in the PCA. Uh, I think you're speaking um, next month as well on, on some things. But before all of those things, just kind of give us some frameworks of um, the business um, as of current. So um, maybe the size of the company, um, any revenue numbers, um, you know, certain team members that you might have and just kind of like the basic framework of the business now. Sure. So as you mentioned, uh, we were, we started less than a year ago. Um, about nine months ago is when we made our, our first sale. Uh, first job started May 17th of 2022. So really we're only eight months of production. Uh, we came out with a bang. We spent a lot of money on marketing and, and put a lot of thought and effort into developing our, our systems, our processes, uh, our branding, um, all of that. 
So we, we had a goal of in our first 12 months doing a million dollars. And we hit that right before our six month anniversary. So we finished out 2022, eight months, one point, just under 1.3 million. It's 1.299. So, uh, as of now, we only have two employees, one of whom is me. And the other one is my buddy, Ron, who serves as my full-time project manager. Uh, but in preparation for the spring and for exterior season, we're about to hire another full-time project manager, another full-time salesperson, and a full-time admin. Yeah, we don't need them yet, but I'm planning on needing them. So we are, <laughs> we're about to pull the trigger uh, proactively rather than reactively. That's the best thing you can do yeah. that I'm learning for sure uh, mm -hmm. is being more proactive. Um, okay. So that's the kind of the frameworks, the foundations mm -hmm. of the business now. Um, just walk us through beforehand, like before the business, before Ellison painting, um, you know, go back as far as you want to, uh, Brad, but just kind of like how you got started, uh, in the industry, maybe beforehand your business experience, um, mm -hmm. uh, and things like that. So going way back, I mean, when I, when I started college, I actually started college as a musical theater major and my plan all through elementary, junior high, high school was to be either, you know, Broadway or movies. Um, I was pretty good at it. Um, good enough that I got accepted into the musical theater program at uh, college here. Um, not good enough that I was ever going to actually make it into a career. Right. So fortunately, about two and a half years into my college career, I, I switched um, in college. I started my first business, which was a window washing company. And this might shock people that I actually did the window washing. No, no, I no, swear. No, no. Yep. I not was actually doing labor and sales. Um, and that was cool. That was my first little taste of entrepreneurship. Um, and what I what I discovered in that is that I didn't really like the labor, but I did like the um, the sales aspect. So uh, after I switched majors, I dropped out of college. I got a really good sales job within the insurance industry, started making money. And that was it. So I started my sales career almost 20 years ago, bounced around to a few different industries. Um, I did end up going back and getting my bachelor's degree in, in sales management. I ran a marketing agency. Uh, I did uh, life insurance, health insurance, um, just sold, sold a lot of different types of things. What led us to the painting industry was shortly after Rachel and I got married, we made the decision that we weren't going to work for anyone else ever again. We only wanted to work for ourselves. So we quit our jobs and we launched our first business, which as you mentioned, was a, a health insurance agency. Uh, health insurance agency is still alive today. It's very profitable. It's very easy. My wife handles 100% of it. So I'm hands off now. But after that first health insurance season, we're like, what are we going to do for the other nine months? You know, we could have not worked. If we had tightened our, our belts a little bit, we could have survived on the money we made in the three months. Uh, but we had a baby on the way and we're like, this is probably not wise to just sit on our hands. So, you know, Nick Slavic says that no one seeks out the painting industry. People, you know, get a painting job in college or their dad was a painter and that's how they end up. Well, we actually sought it out. We were looking for something, an industry that I could enter into and have take on some sort of sales and management role during busy season, spring, summer, fall. And then I could transition back to, the, to our insurance business um, uh, in November. We looked around and said, yeah, painting seems like it might be the right fit. And that's how we ended up in the painting industry. We met a guy at my church who owned a successful painting company. He was looking for someone to do sales and kind of take over his business and eventually buy it. And so I was there with him for five years. We served as 50-50 partners for about three years before we, um, before we separated. I left and started my company. And there was no ties to painting before um, that other company, right? No, no, I've never, I'd never painted professionally. I didn't even really know anyone in the painting industry. Well, well we're going to see you paint next month. That's for sure. Right? I am going to be painting we're gonna film that and document that. And, but I will like point that. out that it's not professionally because I'm not getting paid. <laughs> so I can still use that line. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, yeah. Oh, by the way, just a quick plug. If you're not coming to the PCA, you are missing mm. out. It's next month. Um, and we're going to go serve the day before the first day, which um, I'm bringing my entire team that's coming, maybe like four or five of us that are coming. My my, my wife and I are going to come and uh, super stoked about that. And we can jump love into it. that here in a little bit. But um, I love the um, the sales side of your story, man, because uh, I because I, you know, I have a similar story. Everything I've mm -hmm. done is sales and marketing, uh, but I always knew I wanted to do my own thing. 
you know, and mm -hmm. I, I didn't know what that was. I didn't know what the Lord had planned for me. I knew that the Lord but like had something in me about doing my own thing. You know, I didn't want to mm -hmm. be, you know, told what to do. I wanted to be creative, um, but I could not implement anything. You know, I had all these ideas and I was, you know, um, and I, I saw what I wanted to do in my mind, but I couldn't implement anything. Uh, I wasn't the best employee ever. Uh, although I had tons of grit and hard work and I, and, you know, I loved working, but I was never the best employee. Um, and I feel like in the entrepreneurship world, and there's, there's so many painters coming into the market, owning their own businesses, right? Mm -hmm. They're painting somewhere else. Uh, they're working somewhere else. They start their own thing. They're doing side work. Um, and I think what you've done from inception has been world-class. Um, just walk us through going from, you know, Brad and Rachel, you know, um, there's no painting experience, nothing. Uh, now I have a job and I know the industry and then going from Ellison painting, boom, right? Mm -hmm. Like just walk us through that experience, um, the challenges that you had and kind of how you made that happen. Sure. Uh, so it was, it was a bit of a leap of faith. I was in a pretty comfortable position and we could have just bought, bought out my old partner, um, and not had to change our lifestyle and just kind of hopefully grown it from there. But there were, there were a number of reasons why we, we it ended up not being the best decision for our family. So we left. Now, obviously, I had the advantage. For five years, I had specialized in running a independent painting business using subcontractors uh, and not having to paint. So it wasn't like I was having to invent something from scratch. I already had a lot of knowledge of the industry and, and how to run a business like that. Um, but what I was nervous about was, okay, well my old company, I think we, we kind of rested on our laurels cause we had over a thousand reviews online. And when we show up to do an estimate, people yeah. just were basically, we, they were looking for reason not to hire us. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, well, if I'm starting a brand new company, I have no name, I have no reviews, I have no subcontractors, I have nothing. Can, can I actually recreate or, or create something new that would rival what I was doing before mm. or would it take years and years to scale up that quickly? So, you know, fortunately we had some money set aside, um, which is also unusual within our industry, right? Most people don't yeah. start a painting business having a couple hundred thousand dollars at their disposal. And so we, we just kind of jumped in and said, you know, what are the problems? Well, the problems are no one's going to know who we are. So can we intentionally build a brand that, you know, not, not necessarily is recognizable, but it is at least consistent and portrays the vision of a larger company or a more established company. Not yeah. certainly not a company that's three weeks old and has never actually completed a job. Right. <laughs> can we, can we find subcontractors? And, you know, thankfully through my involvement with the painting contractors, Facebook group and through the PCA and my relationship with Sherwin Williams, I was able to find some really, really excellent uh, subcontractors that were willing to really take a risk and come work with us. Now I would, I would say the risk paid off for them certainly paid off for us too. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, but we were all kind of taking risks at that point. It's, but what do we have to lose? I, I needed to make some money. And my father-in-law is always says, you know, if you're going to make a bet, bet on yourself, don't mm. bet on the stock market. And so we, we put our money where our mouth, where our mouth is. And, uh, Rachel agreed to come out of retirement for six months to help me launch. Thank and, you, Rachel. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. I, I talked on another podcast recently about how it was so good for the business. My wife is so talented, so yeah. likable. Uh, she's, she's like the perfect business partner. She balances me out. Cause I'm like, uh, you know, the, just the uh, idealist and the dreamer. And she's like, let's reel it in just a little bit. I believe in you, but let's be real. My uh, wife is the same way. She's in here. She can probably hear me right now, but uh, she's been, uh, the same way, bro. It's been yeah. like, I remember when we first started uh, Service Legend, she was making phone calls, like setting like sales appointments for me uh -huh. uh, on like Penelope's like Disney, like table, like this big, like with their computer. Um, so I love that about your story too. So I yeah. relate with it. So it was, it was really good for the business. Um, not the greatest thing for our family, to be quite honest. Yep. Um, it was just a, it was just a tough six months, but the, re the way we were able to make it through is when she decided uh, and agreed to come on board, I committed six months. And at the end of six months, I'm not going to beg her to stay. We will have found a replacement for her. She can transition out and she can go on with her life outside of Ellison painting. So it worked. Um, it was good for the business, tough on the family, but ultimately it got us to where we're at right now. Yeah. Love that, man. Um, yeah. And those are the 
those of you that are just starting out, um, I see a lot where there's husband and wife, wife and husband um, mm -hmm. running the business, starting the business, you know, whether it's sales, there's marketing, there's office stuff going on. What's going on, Nick Joe? He said, let's go. Um, and it's so common, you know, um, and my wife and I uh, still work together. She's a business partner of mine at the marketing company mm -hmm. um, and she does HR and she really progressed and, you know, and she wanted to work in the business and and, and mm -hmm. she's done amazing um, at it. Um, and some others, you know, some other companies don't, you know, want that or do that. And they kind of mm -hmm. uh, kind of disengage, um, obviously that you did it early, which is kind of cool. Mm -hmm. um, if you could talk to us about that on-ramp period a little bit um, from like inception to maybe now um, mm -hmm. from the organizational standpoint, like whether it's team members, um, whether it's subs, how did you kind of um, architect the team together um, to make this a reality? Was it all you? Um, how, like how much? How much did you rely on your on your team, on your wife, um, and things like that? So I I'm self aware enough to know that I can could not have done all of this on my own. I am very talented in some ways, and I am you know borderline incompetent in others. Uh, so when we're I think that any any company any painting company hypothetically could get up to about a million dollars with the owner doing sales and project management if, they, if they're not in the field painting. Well, I wasn't going to be in the field painting. I think that up to about one and a half million, you can manage it with two, two full-time employees, one being you know sales, one person, uh, one being project management. So because I'm good at sales, because I'm decent at marketing, marketing strategy, I'm good at subcontract, subcontractor recruitment, those were the those were the three areas that I was focused on as my responsibilities. Rachel, as project manager, was in charge of everything after I made the sale. So I make a sale, I'm hands off. She was in charge of uh, coordinating scheduling with the customer, coordinating with our subcontractors, ordering paint, mm. job site kickoff, job site visits as work progresses, uh, final walkthrough and sign off, billing, all of that. So that's that's how we structured it, and we we've proven that you can build a company at least up to one and a half million with just that, with just yeah. sales, project manager, as long it's as like a salesperson and like someone doing all the admin work, the communication. All the operation. The, yep. Well, and and actually for admin, I was handling most of the admin, and when I say I was handling it, it's like I was using things like open phone and drip jobs to automate it. <laughs> so uh, no one was answering the phone. We had an automated text responder when people would call that directed people to to request an estimate. And then as sales, I was responsible to do all that that follow up, right? Yeah. So we were able to do that, uh, be, but that's because we both were able to function at a at a pretty high level. Uh, and that only works if those two people are not actually in the field producing paint jobs. So we have a full subcontractor model. We partnered with some excellent subcontractors who are great at painting. Maybe they're not great at running a business. Maybe they're not great at sales. Maybe they don't, maybe they are great at that stuff and they don't want to do it at all. All they want to do is show up and paint. Great. We'll take care of everything else. Yeah. So that's the structure that we used. We, we had that plan and all those, all those job responsibilities laid out before we even launched. So there was no confusion about what it would look like for the customer and how, who's going to handle what. Yeah, so, I love that. Yeah. I, yeah, I love that because I think a lot of companies are starting out where their owner operators doing, you know, between 500 and a million dollars a year, and they don't necessarily have the right structure in place in terms of org chart or accountability charts because mm -hmm. they don't have that admin side or that or, or that office manager side of things. And they're doing so much themselves. They're answering the phone themselves um, at the um, the sales legend synergy event a couple of weeks ago, or was it was it last week? Um, there was um, a question that was thrown out in the audience about um, when is the right time to find somebody to hire like a, you know, as an office manager or whatever. Um, and you touched on this a little bit in terms of being proactive with hiring, mm -hmm. you know, so saying I need somebody in two months, but I'm going to hire them now so I can train them and onboard them and, and kind of help them get to KPI before they even are required to be KPI. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think a lot of painting contractors right now in the market are very um, reactive um, mm -hmm. in their hiring and finding the right team members um, and things like that. Um, and I feel like part of your story, the success of the story is, you know, obviously it was Rachel being, you know, on the office side and helping you do those things. So you could mm -hmm. go do the things that you were good at. Um, I think that speaks volumes to um, others in the industry that are struggling with doing everything themselves, the sales, the marketing, answering the phone, go backs, um, touch ups or mm -hmm. um, scheduling, um, you know, or vendors, things like that. 
you need a solid person, whether it's a partner in the business or if, it, or if it's an office manager or an admin assistant, somebody that can come alongside of you and help you grow the business. You cannot do it all by yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's huge with you. What I've noticed, whether it's the fitness, whether it's um, the business side, you like you're so um, like your proactiveness to reach out to people to seek advice is 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 world class. Uh, yeah. so I, I just want to encourage everybody that's listening, whether it's live or on the replay, you've got to find a partner in crime. You've got to find an office person, an admin person, or somebody that can help you grow the business if you want to scale it out. And um, I would say oftentimes it's not just a person. It's it's going to be people if you are planning to expand. And so I think a lot of people make the mistake of of waiting until they can afford it to bring someone on. But yeah. if you wait until you can afford it, you're never going to get to the point where you can afford it. And so if you know, if you believe in your abilities and you believe in the the opportunity that your comp- your company is going to present to you as the owner, I think you almost have an obligation to hire people in faith, right? Our, so we, we've yeah. done one, we did 1.3 million that the first eight months. The goal for this year is, is 3 million. I'm not going to wait until we need people to, you know, need people yeah. on my team in order to sell and produce the 3 million. I think in order to hit the 3 million, I have to have those people already in place. Yes. And, and so, you know, I know my mindset's a little different and um, uh, I wish it wasn't. I wish I wish more people would kind of believe in, in themselves a little more. Yeah. Um, but also the flip side of that is, and I've mentioned this a few times before too, that the reality is not everyone, not everyone can do what I have done. Um, and that's not because I'm like anything super special, but um, some people don't have the sales ability and that's what I'm really good yeah. at. Uh, some, but that doesn't mean you can't find a partner to fill in those gaps and, and get your company to another level. You just may not be able to do it as quickly as I did because I had so many things uh, kind of go at, at, at my advantage when I launched. What is this? It's a fil- pre-build versus grow into. It's a philosophical argument. And I like Bradley Ellison's position. Oh my gosh, it's the first time Jason Paris has ever said anything nice about me. Golf clap. Golf clap. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Jason. Thank you. Thank you. Jason recently (laughs) referred to himself in a private conversation with me uh, as kind of like my dad. And I'm six (laughs) six years older than (laughs) him. It's hilarious. I love Um, that, man. I actually wanted to get, um, while we were talking about this, either Jason, you know what? I want to get all of you guys, Jason, Nick, and Brad, the the three duo of people, okay, to the Sales Legend Synergy event uh, later this year. I'm going to get you guys here. Um, he said, oh, he said father. Oh, father. Faja. I am your Faja. Father's different than dad, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's more authority, but, um, Hey, by the way, guys, if you're live, if you could hit the, um, the, um, just go into comments and, uh, and, and type in hashtag live. And then if you're on replay, go in and, uh, and comment hashtag replay. Love to know who's on live and who's on replay. Uh, also if you're on Apple or Spotify, which is our biggest platforms that are uh, for downloads, uh, would love to see a review from you guys if you saw value from this and would appreciate if you could share this podcast out. Um, mm-hmm. Maggie says, I am alive. Maggie's, I am alive. Yes, you are, Maggie. Thank God. <laughs> Thank God. Love that girl. Too. Uh, I'll respond to your email here in a bit, Maggie, as well. I saw that uh, come through. But okay. So um, as we keep going here, um, I want to talk really quickly about the PCA. It's coming up next month. Mm-hmm. Um, how impactful has the PCA been to you in terms of starting a painting business, having resources? Um, having um, connections and people that you can look up to and ask questions uh, to and things like that. How impactful has the PCA been to Ellison Painting and Brad um, and Rachel as you guys started the business? The PCA was far more impactful to me and my business before I even knew uh, what the PCA was. So what I mean by that is the PCA has helped cultivate this um uh, this, I don't know, this trajectory or um, this culture of painting company owners being generous and kind mm. and hospitable. Uh, and if, if it weren't for that, if it weren't for that culture within the PCA, then I never would have had the opportunity to meet Jason Paris when I just asked him if I could fly up to Minneapolis and spend two days with him, right? He didn't know who I was. He's like, yeah, sure. Uh, well, it's because I think in part because the PCA cultivates that culture. And then, uh, you know, Nick Slavic has his winter retreat that I somehow get invited to last year where I met now my best friends within the industry. Um, the, the PCA is super valuable as far as educational resources. If you're, if you're training painters and you want, you want to just have videos to sh- show them how to paint. So you don't have to spend 
all of this time onboarding them. They have that. And they have the business accelerator program for business owners. That's all really valuable. For me, what's made the biggest impact is the personal relationships that I've made through the PCA. Yeah. I mean, you know, because we formed a peer advisory board. This is something that was important to me that I wanted to have three other companies that could kind of serve as my, um, my advisory board. And so I could run ideas, get some critiques back, some challenging, some encouragement. Um, and you know, that's you and that's the Kuipers that's Shane Vork. I mean, those are, those are three companies that I, and three owners that I respect and aspire to be. And guess what? Met you all basically through the PCA. Right. So yeah, yeah. It, it's crazy. Um, it's crazy to me that anyone that isn't that is growth minded wouldn't want to be actively involved in the PCA, especially going to the events, going to the expo, getting involved in your local um, you know, gathering uh, of painters groups. I can't stress it enough uh, how valuable it's been for us. Yeah, and if you guys are uh, not signed up yet, and this is about this is. Uh, if you're not signed up yet, you better get signed up. Um, and not miss out. You know, one of the biggest uh, challenges I see with uh, this industry uh, at large is the inability to proactively seek your own education aggressively. Um, and so you've got to come to this website right here, PCAPainted.org. Um, come to events right here, go to Expo and get registered because it's going to sell out uh, quick. There's so many people coming to this event. It's incredible. Um, and, but I think the coolest thing about, uh, this year is, um, what we're going to do in terms of serving, that's going to be really, really fun. Um, I'm excited about that. Oh, yeah, I am looking um, forward to the paint it forward event. By the way, when you went to that homepage, did you see that picture on the front? Is that you? That was you. No, it's, it's Matt Kuiper. Oh, it's Matt. Mr. Hold Beautiful. On. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Is he in the Speedo though? You just can't see his face. I saw Matt with a Speedo on Facebook. Oh man. I think one. Oh, homeboy, homeboy wears some very small bathing suits, but <laughs> if I had his body, maybe I would too. Also, um, this Facebook user that says, just to keep you humble, I think you could have done a lot better. In this your is first Nick, year by business. the way. This is yeah, Nick Slavic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Maggie said he's mine. <laughs> for now. Yeah, for now. Until we get him on the golf course. Yeah. He's, he's mine. No. Um, okay, so getting back to Ellison Painting uh, yep. and Brad um, a little bit here. Um, okay, so in terms of the sales side, because I feel like that's been an amazing thing of you. And, you know, obviously I'm, I'm okay at sales. I don't consider myself, you know, the best salesman ever, but I've learned how to communicate and sell some things. Um, I'm more of a marketing uh, person, but I believe when you have the, the skill sets of marketing and sales and a lot of um, our industry in the painting industry does not come up with sales, right? You know, like, I mean, we said it, you know, Nick said it uh, the other day, most people are sons of painters or daughters of painters, et cetera. Mm -hmm. um, and they're not, like their number one skill is not sales. You know, they've been in sales their entire life. They painted, you know, the majority of their life and things like that. So learning sales is a challenge, but for you, it really becomes natural, you know, or comes natural. It seems like, so if you could speak to that a little bit on how impactful the sales and the marketing knowledge and just understanding marketing uh, and the consumer has meant to your growth. Um, and also in addition to that, um, how others that aren't, you know, uh, naturally sales, uh, people or have that skill set can um, help sell the business more. Sure. I think the natural inclination of, of painters is to believe that good painting is going to lead to business growth. And there's some logic there. Yeah. If you have, if you, if you're a good painter and you produce a high quality uh, project, you will get referrals and that will lead to more painting jobs. Hypothetically. I think that that sales is going to lead to real growth. So I'm not a painter, so it doesn't really like, I can't really sell on the quality of, of my paint jobs. Um, but I can, because of my background and my experience, my maybe expertise in sales, I just, I focus so heavily on generating opportunities, you know, marketing leads, generating opportunities for estimates and then selling jobs. I mean, I sold my first two or three jobs before I even had a crew to fulfill it. I was like, all right, well, if I sell the jobs now I'm forced, like I have to find someone to do it. My name is on the line. Literally it's Ellison painting. Uh, my name's on the line. So I have to find subcontractors. And so we, we kind of use the, the sales numbers, the sales goals as the basis for all of the rest of the strategy within our business. I don't, I don't recruit subcontractors and then try to sell to fill those subcontractors. Mm. I sell 
and then recruit the subcontractors, right? Love that. Yeah. Love that. And so I, I ha- this is another one of those unfair advantages that I might have within the industry is I've, I've gone through professional sales training. I have almost two decades worth of sales experience. And quite honestly, it's just something that comes very naturally to me. You know, I, I told you I, I was a performer for 20 something years. Yeah. You know, speaking to someone is it's, it's easy. Um, and I, I've been joking recently that if, you know, if I had a superpower, my superpower is when I'm talking to someone, I can very quickly put them at ease and get them to trust me. I know what people need to see and hear in order for them to, to be, just take it easy and, and trust me. And that's something that's quite difficult, I think for, for a lot of people. So I may not be the greatest salesperson, but I'm a really great listener. Uh, the fact that I'm only five foot seven, I weigh 150 pounds. I'm not intimidating. I'm like kind of handsome a little bit, but you know, I'm not Matt Kuyper. And so yeah. uh, like, Matt, Matt with speedo. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No one's, no one's intimidated by little old Brad. <laughs> uh, and so all that works to, in my advantage now focus on sales, you sell $3 million worth of work. Your business is going to grow to fill that $3 million worth of, worth of, uh, a production needed. Right. Yeah. I love that. Um, and you know what, um, I'm going to a, uh, a summit, um, on the fourth, uh, here in Scottsdale and it's a guy named Andy Elliott and, uh, and Bradley. It's like, they're like hosting like this, like sales thing here in Scottsdale. Um, and I was kind of looking through their, their agenda and it's not as much sales, but it's more mindset and communication and like being able to communicate and articulate, your, you know, your thoughts and influence people. And it's not like this whole salesy thing. It's more about how to communicate with others, how to influence others, how to articulate your value and your experience um, offers and, and value to others. Um, And I think that you do that really, really well. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about estimating versus sales a little bit in the painting industry, Mm -hmm. Um, because I believe that you sell your services. You don't necessarily estimate your services, but I believe historically there's been a lot of, you know, estimating versus sales, right? Which is like, Mm -hmm. you know, Here's the estimate. Call me um, if you want to. Right. Or, you know, um, I don't need to sell my services. I don't need to follow up with customers. Um, I don't want to pressure people. But I feel like you've done that in a very healthy kind of professional way. If you could speak to that a little bit, um, kind of the difference between estimating versus selling in our industry here. I think the general perception of people that don't understand sales is that sales is talking people into buying something that they don't want. Mm. which is certainly nothing that I would ever, ever do. Number one core value of Ellison painting is integrity. If someone, if we're not the right fit for someone, if they don't want to hire us, if they can't afford to hire us, you will never catch me trying to talk someone into hiring us in those, in that situation. Um, what, what sales really is, is educating the customer on what you can provide. It's finding out what their problem is and discovering whether you can solve it and then explaining how. Right. So the estimate is part of that. The estimate is the deliverable that's saying, okay, after having a conversation with you, here's all the things that you said you needed. Here's the problems we identified. Here's how I'm going to solve it. Here's how much it's going to cost and how long it's going to take. Would you like to work together? Right. So sales and and the sales approach can be done a couple ways and we may be changing ours shortly, but my process from the outside probably just looks like I'm giving an estimate. But when I'm out there, yes, I'm taking pictures, I'm taking measurements, and I'm not there very long. But in the 10 to 15 minutes that I spend with the customer, I'm asking all of those questions. So, you know, how long since yeah. you last had the house painted? And, you know, okay, it's been 10 years. Well, why now? You know, what's what's driving that decision? Have you ever hired a professional painting company before? Oh, really? How was that process? Oh, yeah, I've heard that before. You know, it's that's the, that's the consultative selling that I'm doing, uncovering their needs um, and painting a picture of how we can solve it, and then ultimately giving them an offer to fill those needs. So that's, I mean, estimating, anyone can do estimating. A lot of it can be done, almost all of it can be done simply by taking measurements, right? Yeah. Uh, But the sales side is really communicating with them, discovering what they're really looking for. Why now? Why this? Why not do it yourself? Uh, Uncovering the budget and then filling the need for them. Yeah. Um, before I started the marketing company, I was a sales and marketing manager for a painting company in Bakersfield. Right. And I used to sell cabinet jobs in the home. Um, and when I first got to that painting company, uh, and this was years ago, um, they started a concrete coating company. So I would sell garage coatings in the home, um, resi repaints and cabinet refinishing projects in the home. And, uh, that's 
obviously why we chose the concrete coating and painting industry because I that's where I you know I came from myself. So I kind of did what you were doing, um, and it was the same thing. You know, um, what I noticed is when I first got there, that company was in business for forty years. You know, mm -hmm. I mean they were they were planted in that in that in that community, and. Steve would go out and and and, uh, and bid projects, and he wouldn't even sell at all. Like he would just go, "Here's the bid. Let me know if you're interested," and just would like walk away. Wouldn't even like ask for the business. And uh, I think they did like 1.4 um, a million a year. You know, after 40 years, I'm like, man, that's kind of kind of not much after 40 years. Like, what do you mm -hmm. you know what are you guys doing? But um, he was fine with that though. Like he didn't want anything more. Um, if you wanted to do business with me, you would call me. I don't need to follow up with you. Um, and I think. As we go through this new year, whether it's a recession, whether it's um, an economic challenge, uh, whatever it is, um, if you want to grow your company, I, you know, I believe you got to take that mindset that you just mentioned. You've got to actually follow up. You've got to have a process in place. Mm -hmm. You got to add value and have an experience offering for your clients. Um, and obviously, you've done that really, really well. Um, I just see so many people, man, like just not following up. Just not. Just not selling their services like it's okay to sell yourself to the community <laughs> you know um, obviously in a healthy way um mm -hmm. you know and things like that but um in terms of um the leadership side as well i want to jump into that because mm -hmm. i feel like you're an industry leader uh even though you're mm -hmm. just starting the company you're developing the company um you're really kind of a spokesperson if you will of of the industry i mean you're everywhere you're in different podcasts you're in the groups you're providing value um, if you could speak to like, why are you doing that? Right. Like, why do you feel that that pull to serve the industry? Uh, the first off, this industry has given me a lot and I don't foresee any reason why I would ever leave. I kind of happened into it um, and it is it's been such a blessing um, outside of the business, though man, my life is just so blessed and I will never get tired of talking about how much I love my wife and how much I love my kids. And, you know, we live in, we live exactly where we want to live and we're doing exactly what we want to do and we're healthy. And I, man, I just feel like I'm, I, I, I have joked that I must be God's favorite son because there's <laughs> no other explanation as to why I have the life that I have. And so in response to all that, man, I just want to be, I want to be kind. I want to be generous. I want to, I want to give back, uh, in, in this industry specifically, because so many people have, have given back to me. There's Ellison painting would not exist without a lot of the people that we've already mentioned, giving their knowledge and their wisdom and their resources to me for free with absolutely yeah. nothing expected in return. Right. Um, yeah, I, I've said good. it, I've said it before. Ellison painting is I'm, I designed it to simply be Paris painting 2.0. And because I have Jason Paris as my mentor and my father, uh, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm probably going to be, I'm probably going to be able to scale it faster than he did. Right. I, I have an unfair advantage because Jason Paris had to figure it out. And all I have to do is copy what he did and try to make it a little bit better. Right. Well, Jason just copy what Nick did. Right. So, I mean, you know, yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so because those people gave so freely to me, what does it cost me to give back? It costs me nothing. What it also does, though, is it helps to elevate the industry. It, right now, um, Metro Detroit has a wide array of highly professionalized, really, really great painting companies that represent maybe 1% of the total market. So when I'm going out and doing estimates, even though we have, you know, uh, Nick Kelly and, and Valerie King and Joe Elmore and, and Joe Finch, all these guys that all these companies that are highly professionalized within the area, what usually when I'm giving an estimate, I'm still the only professionalized company that's given an estimate, right? Yeah. If they're, yeah. if they're getting two other estimates, it's, you know, one or two man shows with a, you know, carbon copy or a text message sent delivery sent over. And of course, my estimate's going to be more expensive because I'm actually running a real company. Now, the value that they would get, of course, you would agree with me, is far higher than the value they get from a cheaper price. Mm -hmm. But I would love it if the three estimates they were getting were companies like mine. And so yeah. now I'm not competing against the low price. I'm just really selling on the value of Ellison painting and the, the industry at large is elevated. So that's a, that's a vision that Jason and Nick had cast for the PCA at large that I've 
really grasped grasped onto. So I'm I'm happy to give back. I I have I love being on podcast to kind of share that message. I'm happy to be on podcast to share my journey and give tips and and maybe inspire people to take the next step in their business. And I I have one to two calls a week with painting company owners from around the country that just want to pick my brain for 15 to 20 minutes. I took advantage of though that when I was just starting and when I was running my last company. So it'd be pretty darn selfish if I wasn't willing to offer the same in return, right? Yeah, it's so true. I've learned so much more and quicker and more effectively um, from people uh, Mm -hmm. because I was never a good like in the classroom you know, student or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I could learn more from a conversation like this than I could in two years of, of school, you know, just, you know, just from my way my brain works. For and sure. so the mentorship, the coaching that I've had and the people that have poured back into me so freely, um, I, I mean, it's been, I mean, it's been, I mean, it's priceless, you mm-hmm. know, um, on the personal side as well, you know, mm-hmm. uh, on how to be a man, how to be a father, you know, all these, all these different things. Um, I, so I, I always say this, that how you do one thing is how you do all things, you know? Um, and obviously that's a big concept in the, in the industry, uh, within entrepreneurship. Um, I believe how we are on the personal side of our, of our lives is going to be translated to how we are on the business side. So I I tell my team all the time, if you're lazy at home, you're going to be lazy in business. It's, you know, it's just going to happen. I mean, I don't care what you say, what you think it's just going to happen. Like if you're organized in your personal finances, you'll probably be organizing your business finances, yeah. you know, uh, it doesn't happen every time, but if you could speak to that a little bit, and we, we talked about it earlier about, you know, working out this morning, but, um, if you could speak to, um, just how disciplined you are on the personal side now, whether it's the fitness, the health, um, whether it's, um, the spiritual side, how does that translate into your business success? Uh, just being that mm-hmm. disciplined and, and that fruitful on the personal side. Sure. Um, I will make a disclaimer here that if, if Rachel listens to this, you would probably say, Hmm. Yeah. You're not lazy at work or at the gym, but maybe you are kind of lazy at home, which guilty as charged. Um, I told her you can't come to this podcast because we're going to be, yeah, just block her. her. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the, the, the personal fitness side of it is what I've discovered is that I've gone through periods in my life where things were not great, maybe even terrible, like bottom of the barrel, I'm going to be talking about a little bit at the um, at the expo. The title of my speech is uh, "Failing Upwards: The Journey of Accidentally Discovering Where You're Supposed to Be." And I've had some spectacular failures in my life that led to some pretty low moments. Part of what um, got me out of that was taking control of the things that I could take control of. I couldn't control how you know. I couldn't necessarily control my relationships with friends or ex-partners. Uh, I couldn't control how people talked about me. Um, in, in a lot of ways, I couldn't control at the time my, my career, you know, my job. What I could control is my, my personal health. And so about eight years ago, I, I just finally decided, okay, enough's enough. I'm going, to, I'm going to start getting in shape. And I am the type of person where if I'm going to spend the time doing something, whether it be at the gym or at, at work or with my family, I want to do it 100%. I don't want to be a slack. I don't like wasting time. If I'm going to spend the time at the gym, I want to make sure and get the the best results. And so when I'm at the gym, literally every workout that I do is the worst workout of my life. (laughs) It's the hardest workout. And if it's, if it's not, that means I probably didn't try hard enough. It means next time I need to add a little more, little bit more weight or try to move the pace a little bit faster. And of course, when you do that on a consistent basis, you see the results. And I'm a 41 year old man who's in the best shape of his life and my trajectory physically is still on its way up. Uh, And the more disciplined I am at the gym and the more physically healthy I feel, the more energy I feel, the better dad I am, the more energy I have for my wife and kids. And of course, the more energy I have to run my business. So, I mean, it's just a personal discipline for us now. Um, I am on this thing right now. I'm trying to do uh, every day for the whole year. That was inspired by Jason Phillips down in Texas. Um, done 27 out of 27 days, but even if, even if that fails, I, I still, I mean, my default is five to six days a week, which is still, look at, look at Skyler. Is that Skyler Stewart? <laughs> What's up Skyler? Well, thank you, Skyler. I do look younger than you, but if you zoom in on my, <laughs> yeah. zoom in on my gray beard, you'll see the real age. <laughs> Love that. Yeah. So that's, I mean, this is how we operate. I want to, I want to be the same person 
everywhere you encounter me, whether that's yeah. at the gym or at church or um, within the business world, integrity is big. And so you don't ever have to wonder if you're seeing one side of Brad that exists, you know, only in this sphere and not elsewhere. Uh, this is me. Take me or leave me. I love that, man. Um, I think it's so huge to, um, <clears throat> I always tell my team, we, had a, we have a team meeting at Service Legend every, every Wednesday. And um, we have about 25 employees right now at the marketing company. And I, you know, we, we go over a bunch you know, during our meetings, but I always challenge everybody to challenge themselves on the personal side. You know, I believe that if you can, if you can challenge yourself in your personal life, um, the challenges in business are going to be less stressful. They're going to be easier to overcome when you're constantly challenging yourself outside of work, right? So mm -hmm. if the only challenge that you experience in your life is at work, then it's you're going to get burnout. It's boring. It gets frustrating, all these things. But if you're working out, if you're reading books, uh, if you're learning, like, you know, for me, it's golf right now. You know, I, I am trying to get as close as I can to like even par. So mm -hmm. I'm, I'm like shooting like 85 and I'm like, okay, how do I get to like 72, right? And it's just constant challenge. And I'm never comfortable, right? And I've and and I'm starting to develop this this uh, this concept of being comfortable, being uncomfortable with mm -hmm. golf, because it's it's so hard. Like the moment you think that you've got it, it's like you freaking hit it over to the left, right? And and, and there's like this old guy that's like 80 years old, just smacking it straight every time, you know, and right. laughing at me as I go. But um, well, there's I, something there's something to be said for for grit, you know. And yeah. how do you, how do you, how do you become gritty? Well, by doing hard things and failing and it's sucking and you just keep going on. That's why I love CrossFit. I mean, I, not only is it helped me physically, but the closest friendships I have are all people that I met through my gym who are there and suffering with me on a daily basis. You know, the, the types of people that I can say, Hey, let's go try to run a marathon this weekend. Like, yeah, I know we haven't trained, but let's like, let's just see if we can do it. And then three of us go out and we run a marathon. 26.2 miles with no training and it was a nightmare, but like we had developed enough grit and got used to suffering enough that you can, you can do a lot of things. And the perspective that that's given me is when things go wrong in my business, which they do, and my business is just pr as prone to that uh, as anyone else's business. It allows me to have the perspective like, well, it's just business. Every problem can be solved. Uh, no issue is going to be big enough that it's going to shut us down and, and cause me to go bankrupt. Uh, and it, it's just business. And so when you can have that mentality that, that things suck and you can get through them, everything's going to be fine. Well, it makes those sucky situations way easier to get through and allows it to not met with, or not, it allows you, to, it allows it to not mess with your, your mental capacity and your mental state of mind. Um, at least that's what I found for me. And yeah. I also noticed that the people that I view as pretty gritty can also get through those things relatively unscathed. Yeah. A hundred percent. I think the, you know, the valleys make uh, the mountaintops more fruitful and mm. right. And mm. um, which is, which is incredible. You know, I posted their date, you know, it's, you know, it's all about um, you know, if you want success, whether it's financial or wealth or health, you know, like whatever it is, health, you know, fitness, uh, relationally, um, you've got to develop this, this, uh, this, this love for the process and the journey mm. versus uh, the destination, right? So, like, if you're so worried about achieving the destination, right, whether that's you know finances, uh, relationships, being like Brad or Jason or whatever it is, um, the journey to become that, the process to become that, is so much more fruitful and enjoyable um, long-term than the destination. Cause you reach those, I mean, if you want to Rolex, you buy it and you're like, okay, this thing is kind of just stupid. It just, it just sits right here, you know, mm -hmm. or you buy the car or the house or you get the wife or the husband you want or whatever it is. And you always realize it's like, okay, this is, this is lame. You know, right. I put too much hope and faith into this, this thing, this destination. Um, I think you're a great example of enjoying the journey and dominating the journey um, in creating like that, just that love for being uncomfortable. Um, well, so then, let me, let me speak on that real quick because, yeah. uh, another problem that I see a lot of people struggling with is they lose their passion for their business. You know, they don't, they don't love painting anymore. They don't, they don't love running the business or, or maybe it's, maybe it's just a, a phase that they're going through. But when the, when the, when they lose their passion for that, it becomes very, very difficult to continue on and stay healthy in your business and outside of it. Well, for me, I've, I'm not passionate about my business. I'm not passionate about 
painting. I'm not passionate about sales. The three things that I'm passionate about are never going to change. And that's my faith, my family, and my fitness. And what I found is that when I, when I pour my energy into those three things that I'm actually passionate about and view my business as a means to feed those three things, then it's very easy to overcome obstacles and not let it get me down. Now, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I, it's not that I don't care about my business. I love my company. I'm so proud of what we're doing. I am, um, I am passionate about the opportunities that it's providing for the people that are working with me. Like my subcontractors are making more money than they've ever made in their lives. They're, uh, you know, they, they now are working with someone that views them as a partner that is paying them on time, that is keeping them busy. So the, the opportunities that I'm providing for other people too to change their lives so that they can f focus on whatever their real passions are. I'd love it if it was their faith, their family, and their fitness. It's not the same for everyone. Uh, but if I'm providing the opportunities for them, that's, that also provides me passion. So um, yeah, I don't, want, I don't want that to come off as I'm not passionate about my business. It's just not one of my core passions. When I focus on the things that I'm actually really drive me I've noticed that my business then continues to explode. Does that make sense? Yeah, I love that. Yeah, yeah. it's amazing, man. Um, let's talk real quickly. We have about 10 minutes left here, guys. Um, let's talk quickly about um, the subs versus W-2s uh, in the beginning. Because um, that's a big you know, debate, you know, if you will, whether it's in painting or you know, other um, um, uh, niches where um, a lot of people are like, oh, subs are horrible because whatever, whatever, right? Or w2s are you know are horrible i can't manage them you know whatever whatever like you know there's there's all these pros and cons of both situations why did you choose the sub model how have you acquired um such quality folks um quickly and effectively um and things like that i mean the choice for me when i launched was it wasn't even a choice i'm not a painter i can't train people to paint i don't know that any real experienced painters would want to take a flyer on on some dude that you know, they don't even know if Ellison painting is going to exist a month or two from now. Right. Uh, for me, it, it only made sense to bring on subcontractors. And of course, that's how we managed the last company that I was running. It was a natural transition. I already knew how to do it. Um, you know, some people push back that you can't get the quality from subcontractors as you could from employees. I would, I would put my subcontractors against their employees any day of the week, uh -huh. as far as quality goes. Um, I would say that subcontract, the subcontractor model has a slight advantage as far as uh, profitability. What I found is that if I can find subcontractors that are entrepreneurial in nature and not just trying to punch a clock, yeah. they're driven to work at a higher quality and at a faster pace to complete jobs more quickly. Because then if you look at what they got paid for the time they spent, it's way higher than if right. they were just getting 20 to $25 an and hour. And it's like their own business versus like a job. Like they take more pride in it, right? Well, for sure. Right. And, you know, there's there's some challenges in that you, you need to have a good quality control system. You need to have a good project management system in place, which we do. You know, we have, we have Ron, my project manager, he's overseeing every single job. And he's, he's making sure that if there's going to be any quality issues, we're catching that early on. Um, but the reality is when you when you form healthy relationships with subcontractors, you don't really have to oversee them that much once once you're rolling. Once they yeah. once they trust you, once they see that they're gonna get paid, once they understand the quality standards that we have in place, there's not much management involved. Now we still are, of course, are kicking off every job, we're closing out every job, we're still overseeing. Nothing changes in how we operate, but it becomes way easier to manage those crews. Uh, than it was to start. So, you know, the, if I were to bring on, if I were to do a W2 model, I would have had to ha have had a professional painter instead of a project manager as my number as my second person. Right. 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 And it takes longer to scale. Um, maybe it's more sustainable growth and, you know, Nick Slava could probably speak on that. He's proving that that's true. Um, but I think you can get more explosive growth using subcontractors, especially in geographical areas like mine, where there's a lot of work to go around when it's warm outside and way less work to go around in the winter. I would hate the idea of having to lay people off in the winter but with mm -hmm. subcontractors. You scale up, you scale down. Subcontractors are free to get their own work through the winter uh, or any time of year, of course, um, right. work for other contractors if they want. What I've found is that if, if I make their life super easy and treat them well, 
they're always going to make Ellison painting the priority when I have work available. 100 percent yeah even at cardinal we have uh we have four crews Mm -hmm. that do concrete coatings we have two internal and then two external crews and we call them fulfillment partners and we created this whole partnership program and uh i took uh you know a lot of advice from matt um kuiper um on 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 what he's doing in terms of licensing and you know all these different things that he's that he's up to with that um and it's and it's gone really well we had one horrible sub it was a disaster um but the other two were i mean amazing Mm -hmm. um I think one of our sub crews nev- like, has never had a go back once on wow. any, any yet. Like it was, I'm like, uh, just incredible. Um, and last month, I think we had like one go back, like in the company overall. So it was like, mm-hmm. it's, you know, so it's incredible. Um, and um, I think, I, I think the biggest challenge is going to acquire them. Like, how did you like, like, um, how do you build like a bond or like a friendship with those subs where it's less of a job and more of a partnership with, with those folks. Well, once you meet them and once you decide to, to take a a shot at working together, I think it's just a matter of following through and and doing what you say you were going to do. You know, my favorite question to ask when I'm interviewing a subcontractor is have you ever subbed work before? And I hope that they say yes, because then I get to hear all the horror stories, right? (laughs) Yeah. This dude still owes me $5,000 or he said he was going to keep me busy or he's got my sprayer in his, in his, in his shop. He won't give it back. Right. Right. Because People take advantage of subcontractors. Um, And I certainly don't like hearing those stories because I enjoy hearing the misery they went through, but I like hearing them because it gives me the, the perfect opportunity to show who Ellison painting and Brad Ellison really are. Right. And so uh, we, you know, in order to kick off that relationship, well, I make sure that the very first job that they get is going to be highly profitable. Um, I want to kick it off on a, just a really strong footing. Going to pay them right away. Uh, I'm going to handle all this. We're going to handle all the scheduling for them. We're going to handle all the paint ordering. We're going to handle all the customer service issues. And when, when they see, I just think it's a matter of when they see that, that you're actually following through on all the things they've been promised for their entirety of their career. I think it's a breath of fresh air. And they say, well, dang, I think Brad might actually be a a decent guy. Like Ellison painting might actually be a, a real company that we could build our business around. And that's what I want. I don't, my dream is that the the guys that are working for me grow their businesses to be million dollar companies, right? Now, ideally, that would be million dollar companies through subcontracting from Ellison Painting. But even if it's not, even if they they go off and BG BG Painting, who's my you know my maybe my favorite crew, uh, Robert and Bazzo, these two um, uh, Albanian guys are so awesome. Uh, if they were to grow BG BG and like apart from Ellison painting, man, that would make me so happy. Those guys are so good. I want, I want them to succeed again. I'd love it if we were succeeding together, long-term partners. Uh, it, but it be, I think because I have that mentality that I will, I will teach them to do what I do if that's what they want. And I did have one of my subcontractors in the office a couple weeks ago. He was asking me how to sell jobs better. Well, it wasn't to sell jobs for Ellison painting. It was to sell the jobs for him. Right. Uh, so I had to put my money where my mouth was and I kind of walked him through. I asked him about his process. I shared how I do mine. I gave him some tips on maybe how he could uh, fine tune his process. Also, he could sell more jobs on his own, which means his availability for me is less. So I think if you have that mentality, really view it as a partnership and treat people well, they're going to see you as more than just uh, the paycheck or more than just a source for jobs. If they really view you in turn as a partner, you guys are going to grow together. And that's what yeah. I've seen. Now, again, I only have nine months of data right now, but the language these guys are using is, you know, that they're planning on having a very long-term relationship with us. And that's, that's a win-win for everyone. Yeah. That's, yeah. I love it, man. And I have a similar relationship with ours. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, like we've, we've wanted to develop programs where it's not a sub contractor, it's a fulfillment partner, mm-hmm. you know, and we, you know, we partner with these companies that love to do concrete coatings they love to do installs but they don't like to run the business mm-hmm. you know if we partner together it's the same concept and it's very receptive with the market and and those um and those companies um and helping them understand how to run their admin better how to run their finances better how to look at a PL, um all of these things because if you can help these subs run better businesses of their own they're going to be better partners for your business right and for your customers mm-hmm. so it's really this concept of abundance mindset and serving um at a very high level um, versus I think a lot of the industry, whether like it's historically or whatever, where, you know, 
they're just looked down upon or it's subs. They just don't, you know, just here, do the work or whatever. Right. But I think as we go into a new age, if you want to kind of develop in, like a world-class business, you have to do things different. You've got to be different than your, your competition. Um, so uh, real quick here, a couple more questions. Um, how do you build an amazing culture in the business? Um, is it being happy all the time? Is it being positive all the time? How do you, how do you build a, a strong culture? Uh, well, I think that you have to establish your core values for your business first. Uh, our core values at Ellison Painting begin with integrity, uh, professionalism, merit-based opportunities, uh, fairness, and levity. So levity is, you know, joy, finding joy and finding kind of humor, even in, in tough situations. Nothing at Ellison Painting is super serious. Now, we are a serious business. We are a legitimate business, but... That doesn't mean showing up and pouting for the whole workday, right? Let's let's we're making money. We're trying to do it as as easily as possible. So let's let's have fun doing it. Uh, I think it's a lot of it is in your communication. You know, I don't I don't expect that every single person that partners with us shares my exact core values. There's some that if they don't, they will not work with us. Integrity being one of those, of course. Um, but outside of that, it's it's not necessarily being happy and being joyful all the time because not every situation that we are going to find ourselves in is a happy and joyful situation. Uh, but if I maintain my core values in all of my interactions with my customers, my employees, my subcontractors, that consistency builds a culture of trust and integrity and professionalism and merit-based opportunity and fairness and hopefully levity, right? Uh I mean, that's, again, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know if I'm an expert on culture and certainly that's one of the advantages of having W2s is you may have a little bit tighter control on your culture than if you were using subcontractors, but we've, I think we've effectively done that where we've found subcontractors and built relationships with them uh, and created a culture within Ellison painting that is positive and professional and win-win for everyone. Love it. Okay. Um, what is the best advice that you've ever received? All you got to do is ask. And that's what that everyone's afraid of. Yep. Everyone's afraid I, of asking, right? Everyone's afraid of asking. And I was about to start my first sales job and there was a guy at my church who was like a sales legend. And I said, listen, Tom, I know I can't afford your time, but if you could just give me one piece of advice as I enter into this, into a sales career, what would you say? He said, all you got to do is ask. He said, he said, people are afraid, but you know, every time uh, I go and check into a hotel, when I'm on a business trip, I just ask for a free upgrade. And 75% of the time they say, sorry, we don't have anything available. And 25% of the time I get like some sweet for free simply because I asked. And so, you know, that's how I got up to Minneapolis to see Jason Paris is I asked, I didn't wait for him to ask me. I said, Hey man, can yeah. I come up there? And th that's how we sell our jobs. We say, Hey, can we do this job for you? Right. All you got to do is ask. God, it's so true, man. I love that one. Um, okay. And then what is the worst advice you've ever received outside of whatever Jason and Nick tell you? Ooh, worst advice, man. I try to tune out all the, all the bad advice. Uh, I would say the, I would say bad advice that people gen generally get is to hunker down, tough it out, you can, you can do it on your own. Mm. I would say you are way stronger in community. And while we talked about grit and having grit and getting through tough situations is super important. I would never encourage doing that on your own. So if you don't have a community, whether it be within our industry or without you are, you're missing out and you're probably not even coming close to your, your full potential. Uh, at the gym, I have my community and that pushes me to get stronger and go, you know, work harder, go longer, uh, within my, our friend group, our, our friends, we surround ourselves with like-minded people who share our same values. Um, and there's no way that we could live this life or run this business, you know, within a silo. So have a community. Yeah. Love that, man. Um, guys, if you are a business owner of a painting company, home service company, whatever it is, you've seen Brad do, you know, seven figures in the first eight months, um, Creighton, um, uh, with level 10 epoxy, uh, like two weeks ago or three weeks ago, uh, got to six figures a month, um, by his like second month or whatever it was, mm -hmm. uh, guys, you can still crush it out there. Um, Brad's an example. I'm an example. 
Um, Creighton is going to, I mean, there's so many examples of people that are absolutely crushing it in the market from leadership, culture, uh, whether it's revenue, financial, uh, personal, don't let the world make you scared of what's happening out here. You can still go out there and get it. There's still people that are purchasing stuff, uh, whether it's, you know, e-commerce stuff or home services or marketing services, you can still go out there and get it. Um, one final thing that I want to um, have you leave us with, Brad, is what is um, just any piece of advice that you'd give somebody that is starting a painting company or trying to grow the painting company and getting into the market there? Uh, two things. I would say um, define your strengths and weaknesses and fill in the gaps as needed. And the second one would be to take risks and leap out in faith. I don't think anyone becomes successful personally or professionally without taking real risks on their, on themselves. And every, every risk that Rachel and I have taken professionally has paid off in dividends. Um, and we were, we were willing to take those risks because what we, what we were going to, what we could potentially lose didn't yeah. even compare to what we could potentially gain. Um, and the reality is, and again, if you come to Expo, you hear me talk about this. I've lost everything in my life before. I've lost relationships. I've lost jobs. I lost my house. I lost my car. I've lost everything. And here I am still doing okay. I've hit, <laughs> I, I've hit the bottom and it turns out everyone can, you can come back from the bottom. So yeah, take risks, be aware of your strengths and weaknesses and go from there. And then before you sign us off, I just want to say one more thing. Um, I appreciate you, Ryan. I appreciate what you're doing for the industry. I appreciate the platform that you provide for guys like me to kind of share our message and encourage other people. Um, and as a service provider, of course, I know I'm paying you, but I do appreciate the value you guys are bringing back. You you guys have been instrumental in helping Ellison Painting continue the growth. So uh, thanks, buddy. Yeah, man. It's been amazing seeing you do your thing and for your business. I appreciate that. And thank you for the kind words, man. Yeah. Um, everybody live. If you got value from this, we don't run ads on the show. Um, just please share the show, uh, whether it's a link, Apple podcast link, Spotify link, Facebook link, tag your friends that are painting contractors that are in home service, share the message, share the good news out there. And um, again, sign up for the PCA. If you're not signed up for the PCA Expo next month, you've got to be signed up. You're missing out. Come on. If you're not signed up. Um, what are the dates again? It's uh, the 22nd to the 24th. Is that what it is? That's the actual, yeah, those are the actual dates. I think I'm flying out on the 29th, flying back on the 25th. So fly out early, hang out with uh, some of the other shooters in the industry. It'll be fun. Yeah. All right, guys. We'll see you guys next week. Have an amazing weekend and uh, talk to you guys soon. See you Bye. later. Paynet podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org.